It's incredible the types of jobs that people have. I mean, you have someone making $2 million off of YouTube and um, yeah, it's just really incredible. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling an itch to do something, like go out and do it because why not? Like, why not you? You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we like to start with the difficult questions here. What's your favorite ice cream? Ooh, can I can I choose gelato? I'm a yes. huge gelato fan because as you know, I'm an avid traveler. And so I love the pistachio gelato. I would agree with you. I was over in Italy a couple years ago and I knew gelato and I'd had like an American version of gelato, but nothing beats like pistachio Italian pistachio gelato. It's heaven on earth. Exactly. Exactly. I love, love, love it. <laughs> it. Now you're joining us from Omaha, a place where you get to spend very little time, but are technically from, if we're in the Omaha area, are there any good gelato restaurants around? There's not. However, there is a very good ice cream place in Omaha called Ted and Wally's. And there's two locations and it really is good. Really okay, I'm, good. I'm putting it on the list. I think I told you when we first met that my uh, sister lives in between Omaha and Lincoln. So I will put it on the list for next time I'm out that way. Yeah. And then the other one would be, I think it's called Cornflower, which is, of course, I think that's very funny, Corn, Nebraska. Um, yeah. And that's in like the cool part of town, which is called Blackstone. So that's another good one. That's one of those where there's always a line out the door. <laughs> it's got to be good if there's a line. Exactly. <laughs> well, tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? Yeah. So today um, I'm being a true investor. I've been to Home Depot. I've made returns at UPS. Uh, and so the reason being is I am currently furnishing a, an MTR, a midterm rental. Uh, for those of you that don't know what's an MTR, it's like a short-term rental. So like an Airbnb, um, I do list actually on Airbnb, but what makes an MTR is that I list or rent for 30 days or more. And so I'm typically renting to people for three months. I love it. It's less check-ins, less turnovers, less communication. Um, and so, yeah, I make beautiful homes for people that need them. And higher rent. Yes. About two <laughs> well, and a half times. If anyone's like a, a numbers person, we're looking at definitely two and a quarter. So 2.25 times more, um, but often two and a half times more my long-term rent. Amazing. Amazing. Well, you've got a lot of different things going on from uh, invested adventures where you actually put together investors to travel all over the world, which I definitely want to talk about, to the midterm rentals. But take us back to young Sarah. How did your real estate journey even begin? Yeah, it started like a lot of people I house hacked. So I didn't have a ton of money, but I had some. And I kind of knew the saying, you wanted to buy the worst house in the best neighborhood. And so it's exactly what I did. I bought a single family home in a town called Prairie Village, Kansas. I always like to think the name is so cute. It sounds like I made it up. And, and it really is an A-class neighborhood. What I love about this house is that I had a lot of different extra strategies. I could have flipped it. I could have just lived in it and lived a normal life, probably got married, made babies. They would have gone to Shawnee Mission High School. It would have been great. So, Or I could keep it, which is what I decided to do. Um, but eventually, I could tear it down, 
because what's happening in that neighborhood is that they're tearing down these cute little Cape Cods and they're building homes and selling them for $1.3 million. Wow. And I bought my Cape Cod for $217,000. Wow. So you bought it and house hacked it. So you rented out the other rooms or was it like a duplex or? I did. It's a single family. So I rented the rooms. Um, I was a frugal. Well, I still am a frugal girl. I'm working on being less frugal, but I even rented out the master. I rented the garage. I parked on the street. I lived in the smallest room in the house and I did what's called rent by the room. So I had separate leases for each of the rooms. um, And that worked for a while. I moved out. I replaced myself. And then about two years later, I realized, Ooh, I want to do this again. So I ended up house hacking again but I still have that very first single family. It's my only single family and it is still a long-term rental. Yeah. I saw you post that on the Instagram the other day. What's the plan for that? Are you going to keep that forever or is, are you going to sell it at some point? I mean, definitely for now it's cash flowing conservatively $750 a month. And I mean, you have your tenant paying down your principal. And like I said, the, the houses around there, they're just tearing them down and building these little mini mansions. And so that will be my plan eventually. But for right now, it's doing great the way that it's doing. So I'm very yeah. happy to just keep it a buy and hold rental. Yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit of a prideful individual. So my first rental, I'm like, I am never going to sell that. I will hold that until the day I die. So I always oh, like to Matt, hear it. I mean, I, I will have to have like multiple cameras on me the day that I one decide to tear that down. And then when it actually comes down, I will be a blubbering mess (laughs) and I will eventually do that. Like that is, um, I mean, that's my retirement plan. Tear it down, build a house at cost. Um, By then I'm hoping that my dad will still be a GC and have no non-compete with the builder that he used to work for. And that'll be a little daddy daughter project. (laughs) I love it. And then sell by then hopefully like 1.7 million. Yeah, maybe even two. Why 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 oh, set the bar low? Gosh. Oh my gosh. Is if only like 27-year-old Sarah could like see me now, I don't think she would even believe like everything that I have going on all because of that first house. What what's the biggest growth that uh 27-year-old Sarah would be happy for? I think she'd be so proud that I believed in myself and became an entrepreneur. I, you know, quit my W2 and bet on myself. And not only did I start a coaching program, the mentorship program, which serves about 75 students a year, but I also travel speaking at conferences. I wrote a best-selling book about this medium-term rental strategy. And then more importantly for me in my personal life, I travel for free. I started a travel company where I teach other people how to go on epic adventures. And so I'm getting paid to do the really the three things that I love. I love teaching and mentoring. I love traveling and I love real estate investing. And then more importantly, I am a true CEO of one company, Aria Design Services. I work maybe three hours a week. I hope my team doesn't hear this podcast because they work a lot more than I do. Um, No, I'm only kidding because of course they know that. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that they love working for me is that I've done a life by design and my company Aria will help you and your family furnish a property far away. And that's one company that I'm truly running as a, as an entrepreneur. 
How were you able to overcome that fear? So we were talking beforehand that you recently got back from Kilimanjaro, which I share that experience of climbing that mountain as well. And uh, we were talking through some scary parts. And from the second I met you back in May, March of this year, whenever it was, I knew that you had something special in you. But how were you able to overcome that fear and uh, leave the W2 to jump full in? Yeah, well, thank you. First of all, I I think I have done a lot of brave things and quitting your job is very brave. However, I will admit that I really made sure that I had a pretty large cushion before I was actually brave enough to, to take the jump. And so not to say to your listeners, like you can't just quit your job with, you know, no cushion or no savings or no emergency fund, but I was pretty set by then. And what I mean by pretty set so that people understand I was living so frugally and so small. I didn't experience lifestyle creep like a lot of 29-year-olds. But by that point, I was about to turn 31. And I was still living on so little, like so, so little. Um, So that really is what helped is that I hadn't experienced lifestyle creep and I had cash flow from at that point I had, I believe, 14 units that were bringing in anywhere between like seven and $8,000 um, in cash flow, pure profit, um, after setting aside for things like CapEx and maintenance and being very conservative. I may jump out of airplanes and hike mountains by myself, but when it comes to money, I'm very, very risk adverse. Um, and so that's really what did it. And so I know that's not the most inspiring answer, but that's the truth. And so if there's listeners out there that are like, man, I wish I was braver and I could just quit my job. Well, the the reality is, as I had all my expenses covered before I quit my job. And then I knew, mostly because of ego, that if I got 40 hours back, that I would crush it in business. Like, I knew that I would. I just needed more time. Yeah, I, um, I'm glad you said that about like the having the expensive covered and a soft cushion because I get annoyed at the burn all the ships and go all in and put your back against the wall. I think for most people, it's very, very dangerous to take that advice. Um, yeah. Now, certainly, I don't think you need a million dollar nest egg and no. uh, a bajillion dollars in the bank and all those sorts of things. But I do think like having a soft cushion will allow you to be intentional allow you to make mistakes. And ultimately the worst position you can be in is if you have to sell something to pay your mortgage or to pay for food or something like that, because then you become desperate and don't think about things long-term. Yeah. Or I think simple, I like to say simplify what business looks like. So before um, Aria Design Services was like a six figure business, I thought, okay, I only need three clients to pay us three grand each in the next, you know, like, ideally this month, but in the next, let's say 90 days, and then we can hire someone. And that can be like how we start our business. And so I think like dropping it down. So another example would be, okay, I need four coaching clients, each paying me, let's just say $500 a month. And then that would cover at least my rent and some extra spending cash. And so think about business in a little bit simpler terms at the very beginning. And then it feels a lot more attainable. Yeah, agreed. So I don't want to breeze over the fact that you are the middle term rental queen. You uh, were able to kind of build a big portfolio from middle term rentals. And I, I've never had somebody on the show kind of dig into what that is and, and good markets and all those sorts of things. So maybe start us off at the high level. You explained it earlier. It's more than 30 day stays. But what is the yeah. middle term rental market and how'd you find it? 
Yeah. So the first thing that I did is I furnished a unit inside of a fourplex that I was house hacking. Um, it turns out that that's just called furnishing the apartment that you live in. Um, I was like, I'm staging. And then, and then I was like, I'm decorating. And then I was like, oh, wait, I live here. So I guess I'm furnishing the apartment that I live in. Um, for those of you that don't realize, um, I have been nomadic for, gosh, going on four years this January 2024. And so I'm used to living out of a suitcase and staying in Airbnbs. And so actually staying in one place was difficult at first. And so I'm furnishing my primary and I list it on Airbnb because I'm thinking, oh, I can list it on the weekends, go to grandma's or go to Mexico. And one of my very first guests that booked through Airbnb wanted to stay for 60 days. And so I was like, sweet, guess I'm going to Mexico for 60 days. <laughs> and, and that was really how I got introduced to it as a host. I knew about it. And it's one of the many reasons that I bought the fourplex that I bought. So for those of you wondering, like, where is a, what are some good like metrics? So I wanted to be in a population that was growing, you know, strong job market, all of the same metrics that I look for for a long term rental. Because just in case I didn't want to do the MTR strategy or what I like to do now, Matt, is I buy a duplex and I'll have one unit as in long term and one unit as a midterm. And so I like that. So I still buy with the same metrics that I'm doing for long term. But then I'm also looking at things like hospital complexes or what are the like corporations that send um, people here. So here we have a big military population, um, but more importantly, a really big hospital. So. I actually own the fourplex next door as well. And all four of those units are rented by travel nurses. Um, but then funny enough, this month, the building, I'm actually sitting in one of the units today. And this month, um, none of the unit, uh, none of the units are rented to travel nurses. So we have a um, someone visiting a family member who unfortunately is ill. So they're here for a month while they visit that family member. Same thing with the unit next door. His wife is having organ transplant. So he's renting the apartment. And then the gentleman who's renting in the other unit, um, he moved here for a job. And so he left his wife in New Mexico. She's like wrapping up, selling their house. They still want to have one last Christmas in that house. And then she'll come out and join him. And then they'll start house shopping. So he rented the house or, or this unit, I should say, for three months. And so that kind of gives your, your listeners just an example of there's so many different reasons that people need a furnished rental for three months. Um, it could be anything from an internship to a new job to a family member in the hospital or you're working in the hospital. A lot of different people need midterm rentals, which for the investors, that means that you can really MTR almost anywhere, um, even rural places. Um, I've seen a lot of success with investors in smaller markets because there may not even be that housing option in a in mm -hmm. a smaller town you mentioned hospitals a couple times like how are you are there websites out there where you find midterm rentals beyond airbnb vrbos are you calling the hospitals like how are you getting plugged into the travel nurse scene yeah great question at the beginning i did all of the above but what really happens is you list it on airbnb and you list on a website called furnish finder and that's how they find you and so you can do more work if you want to, but I'm telling you that today I am at 97% occupancy and I just list on those two websites. Wow. Wow. Um, do you have any issues with regulation in the markets that you work with? Because here in Nashville, it's like all the time it's either approved or it's not approved and it's approved with a permit, but now the permit rules have changed, all those sorts of things. 
Great question. So in Omaha, there are not any short-term regulations right now. Um, and I'm sure that they're around the corner. And so I am always keeping a pulse on the market. I'm very clued in, even though I'm rarely ever here, I am very clued in with like the local Omaha RIA, just so that I'm always on top of these things. For now, there's not any um, restrictions. So that brings up a good point. When I have a travel nurse move out, and if another I should say when I have an MTR guest move out and another MTR guest wants to move in and it's going to leave me a few day gap or even 10 day gap, I will open myself up for a two night stay um, and do a traditional short term rental. I've truly only done that maybe three times and I have seven units in Omaha, about to be eight, and I have two units in Des Moines. And truly, you really do get almost back-to-back -back bookings just with these MTR guests. And so don't be discouraged if you're in a market that only allows 30 days or more. You really can stay fully occupied even if you can't do two night stays, which I much prefer. I would rather an MTR guest move in, uh, an MTR guest move out, and an MTR guest move in back-to-back because -back. Um, it's less admin. It's less yeah. checking with your cleaners. It's, it's less everything. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So how do I know how much it would cost to furnish one of these units? Obviously, the answer is it depends on the scale and how big the house is and all those sorts of things. But give us a rough ballpark on how much it would cost to furnish one. Yeah, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm actually going to pull up my notes from my team because they're constantly updating me because, guys, unfortunately... I mean, we all know inflation has hit us. Um, we won't talk about why it's happening, um, but inflation has hit us and it hit furniture so hard this year. So since I started uh, Aria Design Services, furniture costs have gone up 26%. Wow. And so if you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't furnished an apartment in a while, get ready for some like sticker shock, right? Because it's, it is expensive. Um, with that being said, if you're doing middle of the road, so we're not talking accent walls, no neon signs. These are not bachelorette pads, but they are just a nicely decorated place. Uh, a one bedroom, one bath is going to cost you anywhere between eight and 11,000. And that's everything brand new out of the box. If you're willing to drive around town, do Facebook marketplace, garage sale, estate sale, you can do it closer to probably 6,000, I would say. Um, but otherwise, if you're wanting everything brand new, which you guys today, Aria Design, we do about 70 units a year. We're buying everything brand new. It gets shipped directly to the unit. We pay someone on TaskRabbit to put it together. Amazing. It is definitely the way forward. Uh, I was that girl driving around town with a U-Haul van, you know, picking up $10 Keurigs. That is not worth your time. Just buy the $59 Keurig from Target and get it delivered straight to your house. Um, and so I hope that gives people kind of a good estimate. And then if you have a um, additional bedrooms, I can furnish a bedroom for about 1900. Um, so people can use that math to get an estimate. And then if anyone's interested, they can obviously always call Aria Design Services. We will um, either send all of the, the items to the unit and you or someone you hire puts it together. Or if you want us to get on a plane, my designer and installers will fly out to the property and get it completely rent ready. And we're talking linens, spoons, the K-cups for your Keurig. It's all set up and ready to go and press list on Airbnb. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then I guess the next question I have is like, how do you even know how much to price a midterm rental? 
Yeah, the best thing to do is to look at your competition. Um, it's not a perfect science like the STRs, so we don't have aggregated data like we do through something like AirDNA, which actually pulls data from Airbnb. I do look at that data, and I do look at that data very seriously, but the best thing to do is to look on Furnish Finder and see what actual comparables are. And so what I mean by actual comparables is you really need to look. You have to look at all the entire listing. This is time consuming, but it's very worth it. So I'm looking, what does a one bedroom, one bath rent for in that market? And then how is that unit decorated? What amenities do they have? Um, does it have things like parking, on-site laundry, dishwasher? Um, and then you can kind of price accordingly. So I wish it was a perfect science, but it's not. And I guess that's where kind of the mentorship program comes in is, are you helping people really understand when you keep referring to like a one bedroom, one bath, are you helping people understand unit types, their type of market, all those sorts of things? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you brought that up. So MTRs do work for any property type. So we have students in my mentorship program who have listed a five bedroom, two bath house in Los Angeles and are getting $11,000 a month in rent. Wow. And so how do they do that? They do that with displaced insurance policy holders. And so that's just a fancy way of saying that whoever's renting that house is doing so through their insurance because their home is no longer inhabitable. Um, so usually it's from a man-made disaster like flood, fire, a tree falls on your house, maybe more natural disaster. Um, but anything that makes your house inhabitable, your insurance will pay rent for you to live somewhere else. And that's an incredible way to earn money through real estate. And so anyone with a rental property, no matter the property type or location, should be looking into that. Because what's really cool, Matt, is that one company in particular, or a few of them, but one in particular, they actually want unfurnished single family homes because then they'll go out and broker the furniture. And so you can actually rent your unfurnished house as well. Tell me more about that once we get off this, because uh, yeah. unique situation, I've got a property coming up in January, which is like the worst time to the ever try to find month. a long-term rental. And exactly. we're trying to figure out what to do with it. Should we try to soup it up and call the local hospitals and find a midterm rental or what? Should we just hold on for a long-term rental? So uh, I want to hear more about that after we get off here. Hey, fellow investors, before we dive into our next segment of the show, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about a fantastic opportunity for you to invest with me. As you know, here at Ice Cream with Investors, I'm passionate about real estate investing and helping you navigate the exciting world of wealth creation through real estate. And that's why for the first time, I'm thrilled to tell you about an opportunity for you to invest alongside of me. Over the past three years, I've been investing in multifamily, mobile home parks, car washes. I've even become the bank and lent out money to fellow real estate investors on a short-term basis. And now you can come join me. If you'd like to jump on a call and learn more about this opportunity, head to icecreamwithinvestors.com slash invest and find a time for us to connect. And now back to the show. Yeah. And if anyone listening wants to hear more about it um, or anything that I've said on this call, please reach out. I love hearing from people when I'm doing these podcasts and the, probably the best way is Instagram. So Sarah D Weaver on Instagram, if anyone's listening. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes. But um, one of the things I, I thought about in this space too, is the idea of like subleasing and arbitrage. You hear that a lot in the short-term mm -hmm. space. Do you have any students that are doing that today? And how does that fit into this, this space? Yeah, I do. Um, I think it is, it's not something that I do. Um, and it's not necessarily something that I teach. 
However, it is a really good kind of supplemental thing to do. And so what that looks like is you may um, convince a landlord to rent to you and then you turn around and you rent it as an MTR. And so I have one student who actually has 15 of these and that's what wow. she's doing, um, making great money. Um, it's I'm very, very excited for her and we want her to buy a property. And so um, I think that the money from arbitrage is fantastic and you should take that income and invest in real estate. Yeah. I mean, that that's the only downside, right? Is that if you're arbitraging, you don't actually own the property, which means that you're not getting the equity. Somebody else on the other end is getting the equity. And while cash flow business is great, it's not how you build long-term wealth. Exactly. Well, and then the other thing that I find is that if you are doing it in a like sub market like Omaha or um, Des Moines, for example, um, you're not, it's, we can't get enough high enough rent in my opinion, to make that worth it. So for something like arbitrage, I look at the more expensive cities like Vegas and Boise and Nashville. Um, I think that that's a better way to go. Um, I want my time to, to be returned well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you've sold me. It sounds too good to be true. Where do people fail in midterm rentals? Yeah, great question. They throw furniture into a place um, and have no design eye. Um, or they like it. Okay. But what about your avatar? Like who actually is going to be renting it? And so, for example, a lot of travel nurses are really, they're girls like me. They are girls that, uh, work hard, uh, want to earn some money, but also want to see the world. And so what are things that I like? Well, I want the house to feel cozy um, but also be redecorated really cute. I want to live somewhere cute. You probably want to live somewhere cute. Um, I want a great bed. I want an actual stocked kitchen, not like, you know, bare, bare bones. Um, and I want blackout curtains and a sound machine. Um, nothing fancy. And if I wanted fancy, I'll go do that in Mexico or somewhere else. But for the place that I'm living for three months, um, I want to feel safe. I want to be able to park my car conveniently and get into my unit safely, especially if I'm getting off work, you know, late at night and coming off a 12 hour shift. And so these are things that I investors forget about um, is they are like, oh, yeah, there's no parking or, oh, there's no laundry. Well, they're going to want to wash their scrubs. So you need yeah. to figure out a solution for that. Um, and then the other things is that they don't look at their competition. Um, I don't think that like every market is saturated. I still think this is a fantastic strategy. However, you need to look at your competition and you don't need to be a hundred percent better than them, but you need to be 10% better than them. And so what's something that they're, that they have that you need. So the quickest way to do this is to look at your competition on Airbnb. You can click reviews. Using the cursor, you can select all of their reviews and then paste it into chat GPT and say, hey, what are the five most like mentioned things in these reviews or what amenities are mentioned the most or can you rank all of the amenities that are important to these guests? And you quickly simply click paste and they'll tell you what people care about. Yeah. First of all, I'm glad you brought up uh, AI into this conversation. I think that's the first time AI got dropped into the podcast since it released last year. I personally use ChatGPT every single day, so I don't understand Amazing. how people aren't using it today. 
<laughs> side note, I was at a conference uh, this past week, 125 people there. The guy said, hey, how, how many of you have never used ChatGPT? And it was, Sarah was like half the audience. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, you're missing out. But um, second of all, I, I think you're right about the bare bones, like side tangent. When I go to a short-term rental and there's like three knives and there's eight bedrooms, you're like, what? why does this make sense? Like, how, how, who yeah. was the person that made this decision that bare bones was going to yeah. be the best option for us? Well, well to, to touch on that, a lot of short-term hosts are struggling. Um, I, 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 I see you guys. If you're listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I don't know if my short-term rental is really 10% better than my competition. It, it might be a good idea to sell um, because I think that we're going to see some more hard times ahead for short-term hosts, especially short-term hosts that aren't treating it like a business. And so I really treat mine like a business. So for example, I just bought this, you know, pillow. Well, I bought the pillow cover that can be removed. It can be washed. And then I bought four of them. So that every time my cleaner comes, the cover just comes off, a new one gets put on. Whereas I'll admit, the very first time I did Airbnbs or, or short-term rentals, I didn't know these things. Um, and I was trying to save a buck. Uh, but what ends up happening is if you try to save money at the beginning, it ends up costing you more later on. Yeah. Penny wise, pound foolish, I think is the saying. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, I want to switch gears now. Tell us a little bit about Invested Adventures. So where did the idea come from? Where are some of the cool places you've gone? Who who goes on these trips? I'm on your email, so I get jealous every time I see them. But tell us a little <laughs> bit about Invested well, Adventures. Stop being jealous and just come on a trip. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, so Invested Adventures is real estate investors' opportunity to go on. We're talking epic adventures with other real estate investors. And yes, all of this is a tax write-off. And so if you are talking to your CPA or your tax strategist and you need some more business expenses, please visit my website. But how did it start? So as I mentioned, I've been traveling full-time for four years. But really, Matt, I've been traveling for a decade. I taught English in South Korea 10 years ago and really have been more or less traveling ever since. Um, I got a job um, almost directly after that working remotely. So I've been remote um, or a digital nomad for going on nine years. And travel's just been a huge priority for me. Um, and for anyone listening, you can be as jealous as you want to, but know that there's a lot of sacrifices that come with being fully nomadic. Um, I haven't dated seriously very often. I've gained a lot of weight. So there's there's negatives and my life is pretty cool. Like I have a lot of fun. I've done a lot of really amazing things. And that's what most people wanted to talk about when they come to my Instagram. Yeah, maybe they're here for real estate or MTR or they read my book. But then I think they stick around because they're like, wow, she really travels. And I wanted to make travel a little bit more accessible. Um, I'm happy to, you know, pick up and go to Guatemala by myself or Cambodia by myself, but not very many people are. And I wanted to create a safe space for people to go on these epic adventures. And then something even cooler happened. When we were on these trips, people were having pretty life-changing conversations um, I think that that's true really anytime you like stop and get out of your, your home. I mean, Matt, you're, you're well-traveled, you know, that when you are like, you have those seven hours on a plane, you're like, 
oh, I've been really stressed lately about kind of silly stuff. Or, huh, there's someone in my life that I just probably should just cut out of my life because they're sucking energy. Um, whether that's a romantic partner or a colleague or a friend. I mean, I find that when you leave your day to day, you have some of these realizations. Hopefully the realization is gratitude and abundance and how amazing your life really is, because that often happens, especially when you travel certain places. But what really I think is the most magical thing about Invested Adventures is that you're sitting in the car, usually in some type of cargo van, you know, we're going from one cool activity to another, and you're sitting next to someone and you're like, hey, how did you buy that 130 unit? I saw you did that. Or, hey, how did you raise $10 million? Um, or for me, you might be saying, hey, how should I furnish this? Can you take a look at my listing? Why am I not getting enough bookings? And you get to have those conversations. And I just don't think that those conversations happen at conferences. I would agree. Um, when you're in a smaller group, you all share similar interests and you're having a shared experience like an adventure, then it opens up conversations. And um, I, it's, I was reflecting on the conference I went to recently when you were talking about just getting out of your day to day. I didn't realize how many plates I was spinning and how burnt out mm -hmm. I was from that until I got away from that for a couple of days. And the biggest takeaway I had coming out of that conference was like slow down to go fast, which means like you don't have to keep doing, 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 like slow down, pick the activities that you want to focus on, go all in on those, go deep on those and move mountains versus moving pebbles, I guess. Yes. And see that happened because you slowed down and you took yourself out of your day to day. And so I urge people um, as you're planning 2024 write in your vacations first, then write in what conferences or retreats or masterminds are you going to, and then plan all the other stuff that is like oblig that your obligations. The, the other thing that I think is worth sharing is people come home and they change their lives. And so we have someone who really hated their job and she got the courage and I think the wisdom that she needed to finally go home and quit her job um, or more importantly, build the, you know, the business that was going to create that $2,000 a month that she needed that little cushion and then quit her job. Um, someone else came and she didn't own a property yet. I, I really hesitated to accept her on the trip, to be honest, because I really want everyone on the trip to truly be real estate investors. No looky lose, no maybe real estate. But I knew that she was serious because she had been under contract. She had been in another mastermind for over a year. And six days after leaving the conference, she bought her first property. Amazing. Incredible. And then I tell this story at conferences. So my last invested adventure trip, a girl went home. She must be a little bit competitive. She went under contract the day she got home. Um, and it was a house hack and she really didn't want to move. But that was kind of her feedback that we kept giving her is we're like, man, you really should house hack one more time. Like you're in your 20s. You live in a it really shows in DC. We're like, you really should house hack one more time. And she literally went to seven showings the day she got back. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah. And definitely do it while you're young. Cause once you get uh, old and gray like me, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit harder to uh, just pick up <laughs> a family and move into a house with other folks.
Oh, I hear an excuse. I hear some limited that, beliefs. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. Well, Sarah, I want to be cognizant <laughs> says, of your time. Says the, says the single person with no kids. So I can, <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> well, I want to be cognizant of your time and shift us now to our last round. We're calling this the four toppings. Our first one is what is your favorite book or what is a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah. Oh man. Great question. Um, I reread the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. Um, it is a book that I read in my early twenties. Um, and one of the best compliments I was ever been given was from someone actually at the best ever conference. And he was a gentleman in his mid fifties and he heard about my life and he goes, yeah, you remind me of that guy, Tim Ferriss. And I was just like, yes, like the best compliment ever. So if anyone hasn't read that book, uh, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, um, yeah, I basically did what the book said. Um, and so really, really enjoy that book. Yeah, I think uh, the first time I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, you can make money doing anything. I mean, because he mm -hmm. goes into, this was like early 2000s. He was talking about drop shipping and e-commerce and people selling music beats and just all these different things. It was crazy. Yeah, and it's true. I, I now have the pleasure of surrounding myself with a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm in a mastermind that's not real estate specific, but just for entrepreneurs in general. And it's incredible the types of jobs that people have. I mean, you have someone making $2 million off of YouTube and yeah. Um, yeah, it's just really incredible. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling an itch to do something like go out and do it because why not? Like, why not you? Yeah. Yeah. Our second one is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, my favorite piece of advice is uh, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. I think that that has been something I've lived by. Um, the other great advice, um, not even advice, but I think about this quote often, and um, it is that I wake up every day torn to decide to make the world better or improve the world or to enjoy it. And that's something that I'm working really hard on. I, uh, I want to make the world better and I really want to savor everything that I'm doing. Um, similar to you, I, I experienced a lot of burnout this year. Um, and I think that as a serial entrepreneur, um, it's really easy to like, go big, go big, go big, do more, 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 more. Um, but what's it all for? Um, I, I mentioned health earlier. I'm on like a huge health kick. And I feel awesome. I'm like, oh, this is like how other people feel. Like I'm sleeping well. I have all these good things happening inside my body. Um, and so I really want to improve the world by serving the community. But I also really want to enjoy my life. Yeah. I, yeah, we'll talk more after the show. But our <laughs> third one is what is what our third our third one is what are you most proud of in your life? Um, God. tied to invested adventures, there is someone who came on a trip and, um, was in a really hard place and it was affecting not only her, but her spouse and, and her kids. And because of a conversation that we had on that trip, um, and the decisions that she made, she gets so much credit for being so brave and really turning her life around. Um, her entire family is doing better. Um, her, you know, her kids are not depressed. They're happy. Um, and so when 
when I reflect back on the last two years, um, the real estate is great. And I'm so proud of the book. Like being a best-selling author is and will forever be like one of my greatest accomplishments. And it's all about the people. So like none of it really matters if I'm not making people's lives better. And so I think that that particular individual, um, I think that's what I'm most proud of. So you can do good and enjoy yourself at the same time. Yeah, and make a lot of money and help other people make a lot of money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, our fourth and final one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, um, so today, man, I would have a different, a different answer every day. So today my answer is Andrew Huberman. I have been like consuming everything that he does lately and he's fascinating and I would love to sit down and talk to him. So a man that gets uh, a lot of notoriety these days, and I've I've never listened to any of his stuff, but I keep his name keeps coming around in circles and podcasts and everything like that. I've got his his podcast saved in my podcast player. I just never listen to any episodes. So I'll, uh, I'll send I'll you one episode so that yeah, you don't get overwhelmed because um, I think that it can be really overwhelming when people are like, oh, you should listen to this, or what do you mean you're not listening to that guy. And so I will send you at least my top, like not, maybe not the best, but a, a good, a good episode from him. Cause I think that I like that it. helps. I like it. Well, Sarah, I appreciate you coming on. Every time I get a chance to interact with you, my heart is so full and happy. If our listeners wanted the same experience that I had, where is the best place we could, they could find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is sarahdweaver.com. It has everything that we talked about, Aria Design, Invested Adventure, working one-on-one with me or the mentorship program. And then my Instagram, also Sarah D. Weaver. Perfect. We will link those in the show notes. And then Sarah, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. 